Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive. Goodman Mason. Watch us. MileHighSports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Mace Denver at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to RMFP.com. In the meantime, if you're thinking about dinner, why wouldn't you be? It's after 5 o'clock. Highly recommend the best barbecue place in the entire city, Denver metro area, Smokin' Dave's Barbecue and Brew. I know that everybody has their favorite barbecue spot. Just try this place once, and I can promise you, for as good as your place is, you will go back to Smoking Dave's Barbecue and Brew. Uh, they smoke their meats as long as you could possibly imagine. Their brisket is super tender, filled with smoky flavor. Love their ribs as well. Great sides. Mac and cheese is so stinking good. My daughter is 13, who still likes Kraft macaroni and cheese, thinks their stuff is better, and that is quite a compliment. Uh, their baked beans that I don't even eat. I don't like baked beans. I love their baked beans because they have you know brisket and pork in it. They have great non-barbecue options. You could just go there for dessert. Smoking Dave's Barbecue and Brew. You can find them in North Denver. Time now for the lead. The lead is presented by Smokin' Dave's Barbecue and Brew, Colorado's best barbecue since 2007. Get some tonight in Denver, Longmont, Lyons, and Estes Park. When George Payton met the media last week, he said Bradley Chubb's contract will not have an impact on the Broncos searching for an edge rusher in the draft that starts tomorrow. Yeah, I think it's separate. I mean, Bradley, uh, I hope Bradley's here a long time. I know he's going in the last year of his deal. Uh, I've told you how much I appreciate Bradley, how he's come back from the injuries. This is the first offseason he hasn't had a, to rehab. He's out there working. Uh, really high on him as a person, the passion, uh, the grit, uh, the physicalness. You just can't have enough pass rushers. You know, if we take a pass rusher, it has nothing to do with Bradley. We can't have enough. Randy Gregory, Malik Reed, uh, Jonathan Cooper. That's how you win when you get a wave. You get a wave of rushers, and, uh, and you have an offense that can score points. You get leads, and then you throw this pass rush at them. Uh, you look at the Rams, you look at the teams that have success over the years, uh, Indianapolis with Peyton or the, the Denver with Peyton, you know, just you get the lead, you have the pass rushers, you let them go. And I think that's a that's a formula and you just can't have enough of those players, whether it's inside rushers or edge, you know. So, so you see a deal getting done with Bradley then? Uh, you know, we're, we've got a lot going on. We, we're focused on the draft. We're focused on the offseason and we'll just kind of see how that plays out. Well, there's plenty of reasons why you wouldn't want to have a deal with Bradley Chubb just yet. For one thing, you want to see if he can actually stay healthy. Right. Which is something that he has not done start to finish for each of the last three seasons. And since 2019, he's uh, he's played in 25 games. He's missed 24. You're gonna, The thing is, though, you're going to, with Chubb's injury history and Randy Gregory's injury history and uh, suspension history because of falling afoul of the league's substance abuse policy, uh, you need waves because your first wave might end up on the shelf for a bit. Right. Right now that right now your back your backups are Baron Browning moving over from inside linebacker to edge. Right. By the way, like when, when the parts of practice that we saw this week, Baron Browning was working with the edge rushers, not with the inside linebackers. So you had Baron Browning, Jonathan Cooper, Malik Reed. Malik Reed is fine, doesn't set the edge very well. 
Not not that big. And he's a free agent, unrestricted right. free agent after this As upcoming year. season. Jonathan Cooper has shown some flashes, no doubt. Yep. Um, the question is, can he make it happen on a consistent basis? But the thing with Cooper, he's kind of a wild card in this because if not for the heart condition last year, probably a third-round pick in last year's draft. So there's quality with him. Right. But this year happens to be one where you're talking about some quality guys like uh, Nick Benito out of Oklahoma, uh, Boye Mafe out of Minnesota, Josh Pascal of Kentucky, potentially being there at pick 64. Right. So even though there may not be a role in the, in the starting lineup for them right away, uh, it's not hard to look at a reality for the Broncos this year in which they pick an Azure rusher at 64 and they end up starting a good chunk of the games. Okay, let's just say for the sake of argument, Bradley Chubb is what we thought he would be as the fifth overall pick. Let's say they brought in Randy Gregory, mm-hmm. who didn't have off-the-field challenges with marijuana and didn't have an injury history. You think they consider taking an edge rusher? No. There we go. Yep. Now, you already know what you have in Malik Reed. I think the concrete has dried on him. You know who he is. Rotational Bar- guy. Right. Baron Browning, we don't know what he is yet. Cooper hasn't played enough to really know what he is yet. Um, But I think that if we knew what Bradley Chubb could have been, and I don't want to say that he doesn't have a chance to have a terrific career, if he didn't have the history that he had and Gregory didn't have the history that he had, I think you could wait another year to see what Browning and Cooper can do. Mm -hmm. So if they take an edge rusher with... If they take an edge rusher in the second round with the 64th pick, that I'm sorry, that tells me what they think of Bradley Chubb. It just does. It it tells me that they're planning for life without Bradley Chubb in 2023. Right. So they I I mean, George Payton, it's it's not he doesn't put his hand on a Bible before he does these press conferences. Right. So because he's not under oath, we're gonna find out. What they, what they do with that 64th pick. Personally, I think if they have a really good edge rusher, a really good cornerback, a really good offensive tackle on the board, and they like all of them equally, I think edge rusher is their third choice. What I, do you think their first choice is? Cornerback. I think there's one tight end they would take if he's there at 64. Trey McBride? But I don't think he's going to be there at 64. Is it Trey McBride? Yes, it is. I would jump on Trey McBride all day. I think if he I think if he is there at 64, then all other priorities are rescinded and they take take Trey McBride right then and there. Right. I do not think he's going to get that far. I'll, I don't think it and I think in the end it may not be close. I'll give you the reason why they might want to consider taking a defensive end. Because you're gonna have to pay Bradley Chubb. And do you want to pay him on one good year? Now, here's an interesting what option. If it, what if it's a great year? Here's an option. Year. Here's an option that you have. Let's say he has a great year, but you don't believe he's going to stay healthy. But teams will want him because they're desperate for pass rushers. An option is to tag and trade him next year. It doesn't happen often, but it just happened with Devontae Adams. It makes sense. And off of a great year... There's probably someone out there. If Bradley Chubb has, say, 13 or 14 sacks this year, there's probably some team out there that would offer you a first-round pick and a tag and trade. For Bradley Chubb? Yes. 
he better have a hell of a year this year. At 13 or 14 sacks is a hell of a year. If he has 13, 14 sacks, they're going to resign him. Unless they look at his long-term history and say, yeah, he had a great year, but what does it look like year six, year seven, year eight? And you could basically get that first-round pick and say, all right, we're going to draft the replacement. This uh, To me, this is a, every draft is important, and I get it. But you can make the case this year's draft is more important than last year's draft for George Payton, and here's why. Mm-hmm. Russell Wilson's going to want a new contract. And if he wants over $50 million a year, certainly you're going to have to give it to him because you just traded away a boatload of picks in order to get him. The Broncos are kind of over a barrel with Russell Wilson, mm-hmm. right? Yes. It's, it's, you're not going to say name your price, but we, we, we're not going to take your first offer, but we're going to probably be pretty close to it. They have four picks next year. They're going to probably be up against the cap, and they have four picks next year. So they better hit it in this draft. They have to hit it in this draft. The other thing is also, they have, I think, a secondary consideration here in this year's draft is uh, you may not be able to get a high get high picks, but you need to accumulate some capital for next year. Look for the Broncos if they make trades down to get some capital for 2023 as well. So, I have no doubt. For example, let's say they traded down from pick 75 and moved down, say, 20 spots. I could see a deal where they moved down for a fourth-round pick next year. Mm-hmm. Look, keep your eye out for those sorts of trades. I, honestly, I think it's a, even at 64, I think it's more likely the Broncos trade down than trade up. Oh, well, I agree. Because what if some team says, we'll give you next year's two for your 64 right now? It's guaranteed to be a higher pick. Right. Unless, Or it, I should say, it won't be a worse pick. Right. I'm, I'm going to go back to the whole drafting an edge rusher with the 64th pick. You may not get exactly the guy you want at the next pick, which is, what, 75? Mm-hmm. You may not get the exact guy you want, but you might get somebody comparable. If, if there's a cornerback you really like, he's probably not going to be there at pick 75 because it thins mm-hmm. out at cornerback within those 10 picks. And right. once you get a run on cornerbacks, there's more depth at defensive end. So if they take a defensive end, at 64, now if they love him, love him, love him, then yes, they might pick him. But knowing the depth at edge rusher, that to me says a lot about what they think of Bradley Chubb. Now, another thing at corner is it, it does drop off, but you could look at somebody like uh, Marcus Jones out of Houston, who's a bit small, but mentioned earlier in the show, by far the best return prospect in this draft class. Quick, you could say, all right, we take him at pick 96, he learns for the first year, and then you see if he's ready for a prominent defensive role next year. But at least in year one, he's getting out there and giving you some value on special teams. You know what? We talk about special teams a lot, and so has George Payton. You find a way to get this guy, and I know I'm starting to bang the drum mm-hmm. for Ariza. Yeah. Okay? You have solved two huge special teams issues. If you get a guy who can boom punts, like him, you've just solved your punt coverage. 
Right. Because you tell him, kick it long and kick it high. Kick it long, high into the sideline, which he's shown he can do. And the other 10 guys, you make those guys look better. Then you bring in a cornerback who might eventually replace Darby because if we're being completely honest, he might be a casualty so they can keep Russell Wilson. Right. Right. And then you have a guy who plays corner. So now you have solved kickoff returns, punt returns, and your punt coverage. What am I missing? Nothing. Because uh, kickoff coverage is only used to tell Bram McManus to knock the crap out of the ball, and hopefully that's what Dwayne Stukes will do. By the way, Ariza Stop does... Stop screwing around. Ariza does the same thing. He can kick off, yeah. You know, he does kick off. Yeah. It's not that he can, he does. He's just, and he's strong at that. So you've solved your problems at kickoffs. Kickoffs aren't a problem right. because McManus is good. The problem is when you start getting cute and saying, oh, kick to the corner, or maybe we can pin him back. No, 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 no. You just you need to start telling Brad McManus, just kick it as far as you can right. and don't let them return it at all. Coming up after the break, it's been very nice getting out to uh, voluntary camps. Why? Mason and I get to do one-on-ones. Love doing that because during COVID, we couldn't. You're going to hear from the belly, although he mm. doesn't have much of a belly anymore, and that's probably by design. Our interview with Quinn Miners is next. Everything I say only seems to complicate Every little fight is just another night. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive. Goodman, Mason. Watch us. Milehighsports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Mace Denver at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. In the meantime, if you want to work with a great insurance guy, you need to work with who I work with, Eric Cook at Farmers Insurance. I've worked with Eric for probably five to seven years. He does my health insurance, my auto insurance, my home insurance, and I'm telling you, he's the absolute best. What I love is he's quick to return phone calls and emails. He does it even on his days off. He started the Cook Insurance Agency. They have over 70 years of experience. They know the right questions to ask to get you the right policy, and I love the fact that they follow up every single year to make sure that you are in the right policy. Maybe you remodeled your kitchen. That's going to change your insurance policy. Well, most insurance guys or gals are not going to call you. They're going to continue to collect those commission checks and just keep letting it roll over, roll over, roll over. The Marshall fires, a lot of those insurance people were not only delinquent on what they did, but they crushed their own customers because they didn't pay attention, didn't update the policies, and all they cared about was collecting their commission check. That's not what you're going to get with Eric Cook at the Cook Insurance Agency. Give him a call today. Work with who I work with. He is so stinking good. 303-790-8089. 303-790-8089. Time now for The Buzz. The Buzz is presented by Eric Cook at Farmers Insurance. 
The Cook Insurance Group, focused on people, not policies. Call today at 303-790-8089. That's 303-790-8089. I think it's safe to say there's going to be more than a few position battles at Broncos training camp, and one guy who will be in the middle of it is Quinn Miner. Started to impress late last season, and this season he'll be challenging to play either center or guard. Andrew and I caught up with him after practice. I'm guessing in your first year you're swimming in it. Now it's year two, new offense, but how are you feeling? Oh, I'm feeling good, you know, building off of, of things last year. Obviously, there was a lot of uh, new things coming into the NFL, so now I kind of have a little bit of an understanding of, you know, what's happening, what the expectations are, and that's helping me move forward going through uh, this little mini camp. What are some specific differences that you noticed just being out here the last couple of days compared to even midseason last year? Um, right now, it's the, the overall, I guess, philosophy of our offense is, is a little bit different. So it's, you know, running off the ball a lot more, and that's something – I mean, I never did, you know, high school, college, and even last year wasn't as much running off the ball. So that is um, something that I'm working on um, throughout these practices, and that's something that um, I'm really going to need going forward to be successful in this offense is being able to run off the ball and, and cut the defenses, and that's our, our goal. Generally speaking, when you walked in here last year, you're finding your way, you want to learn the playbook, you want to kind of be in the background, you're not a veteran. All due respect to the guys who are on the offensive line. Now do you look at it and say, I got a chance to really play this year? Start. Yeah, I mean, even last year, I'm, I was never going into the, I'm just going to assume a, a backup role. I mean, I prepared every single game last year as if I was going to be playing. And I think that's the way you, you have to approach it regardless of of what the situation is because you don't know what's going to happen. You know, a great example last year when we played the Chargers at home, you know, we had a bunch of guys go down and Quinn Bailey had to come in and he was, you know, able to dominate and, and, and finish the game for us. And that just goes to show how much it means to to prepare. And, I mean, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. That's preparing to be the starter. Of course, Nathaniel comes in and talks about a lot of outside zoning. You mentioned kind of the differences in the run, like playing off the run this year versus last year. Last year, how do you think that fits into your skill set overall? Yeah, I think um, with, with my skill set, I think, you know, I guess I have the ability to kind of do both. Um, so, you know, I had a full season of doing one thing. Now I have to kind of re reset a little bit and do another. I know, I know that I'm explosive and I know that I'm strong. Um, so I, I kind of knew this offense that was coming in. So one of my main goals for this offseason was to, you know, a little, lose a little bit more weight, try to get down to that, really stay down, you know, 320, 325, stay in that range because I was, you know, pushing 330 at times last year. Is the belly retired? <laughs> uh, well, it's not it's not hot right now, so so it's not a uh, it's not that's that's the way it works. But uh, no, it's it's not retired. It's it's uh, part of what I do. But uh, I don't like to make it a distraction. <laughs> when you got here as a rookie, and the guys saw you just the belly kind of hanging out, who said the funniest thing to you? Or who said something to you like, "Wow"? Yeah, there was one time in the first couple weeks. You know, obviously I'm kind of swimming and everything, kind of freaking out a little bit, and then. Garrett comes over and he goes he goes that's a lucky belly I'm gonna rub it for good luck and he came over and just and just rubbed it and then uh you know and uh Jerry Judy has done the same thing in the huddle where he'll kind of rub it or something like that you know it's it's funny everyone kind of um it brings laughter it brings joy and I think that's uh you know a positive part of having it happen why don't you just change your name to Buddha because that's what you really do with the Buddha right <laughs> yeah thank you so much yeah thank you guys outside zone is going to require a little bit more nimbleness on the part of the offense. Agility. Yeah. Yeah. Quick feet. Um, Someone like Garrett Bowles, for example, uh, 
lacrosse in his background. Open field athleticism, it suits him just fine. Right. Quinn, we talked to him today. Right. We we'll, talked about we're gonna, that. You're going to hear yeah. you're going to hear from him later on this week. Um Quinn Miners, he's more of a power guy. Mm-hmm. He's a, uh, you know, country strong, right? You know, chopping chopping wood and lifting lifting logs in the backwoods of Wisconsin. Um so he's got to he's got to take take a little bit of weight off to become a little bit more nimble and agile. Now, that being said, as we saw last year, we know that he can operate in open field when he get, there were some runs remember, with Javante Williams in Dallas where he got out in space and he was flattening people. So you, we know that he's got that in him, but to be able to do that on a consistent basis probably needs to play it a little bit lighter, and thus that's why we're talking about a little bit of a shrunken belly for Quinn Monner. Do you think he's going to challenge Cushenberry more at center or at guard? Oh, I think it's him and Graham Glasgow for a right guard right now. Hmm. Who's going to challenge Cushenberry? Because I'm. I think it might it, be Glasgow. It's interesting because I'm hearing a lot of people say this is it for Cushenberry. He has to perform this year. Glasgow's best career season was at center, back with Detroit. Well, well, here's the thing. <laughs> and he's and and the thing is they, he's he's kind of there waiting in the wings. Like he resigned, took an incentive laden deal, uh, gave the team some cap relief, coming off the injury. And he and he has been out there this week, by the way. So he's he's back on the field. Um, you know he can step in and play one of the guard spots, can play one of the center spots, and be effective. See, what's interesting is is that what are you going to do with Glasgow? Are you going to play him more at center or at guard during training camp? Because he can play both. And if you believe Miners should be a starter, he takes Glasgow's spot. It's kind of like a game of musical chairs where Cushenberry can only play center. Mm-hmm. Miners can play center. Glasgow can play center. And I'll be curious to see the rotations as much as anything else. Because it doesn't sound to me like Glasgow is going to get a lot of rest if he's going to be juggling both spots. And I'll be curious to see if Miners juggles both spots. I think where we see Glasgow working more is going to reveal who's on the hot seat. Well, there's, there's only one guy on the hot seat. That's Cushenberry. He's the only guy on the hot seat. Miners isn't on the hot seat. He's not on the hot seat, but he, they still kind of want to make sure that he can deliver in an outside zone seat. Who's that? Miners. That's what they're, fi- that's what they're finding out. I think, every, I, th- I think they're going to find that he'll do well. Right. The skill, the skill is there. The upside is there. The intelligence is there. He, he came, he, you know what? Half the battle's already won. You know why? He came to these voluntary minicamps in shape, shape. ready to go. Mm-hmm. He's taking it seriously. Some guys just don't do that. I mean, really, the other thing is this outside zone scheme might also be uh, something that revives Dalton Reisner's fortunes a little bit. His right. best season was as a rookie. Right. right. He was drafted for this type of offense. They, there are some there are some differences, slight differences, but basically it's very close to what they were running when Reisner was a rookie, when Garrett Bowles started turning the corner back in 2019. And uh yeah, I mean Glasgow Glasgow's a nice chip to have by the way as far as depth, right. knowing that you can do it, but uh, I I think Lloyd Cushenberry is definitely uh, on edge right now. Coming up after the break, Danny, uh, you have asked us more than a few times over the last week or so, how are you feeling about the Avalanche after losing three in a row? 
then four in a row. Both Andrew and I said, don't worry about it. I think the Avs will be fine. Listen to Sports Talk Radio over the last couple of days. Guys are starting to panic on radio. Man, the Avs have lost four straight. And they're coming up on the end of the season. They're going to totally blow it. Well, how does everybody feel today? We'll talk about it next. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. And I'm on Friday. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive. Goodman, Mason. Watch us. MileEyesports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Mace Denver at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for a wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. Time now for What's Trending. What's Trending is presented by Optimum Golf. Take your game to the next level this offseason at Denver's best indoor virtual facility in the Park Hill and Rhino neighborhoods. Book your tee time today at theoptimumgolf.com. You and I have had this conversation over the years that you only get so many team meetings per year. When you're not playing well, usually either just the players get together or the entire team gets together. And uh, this one apparently worked out. Avalanche held a team meeting yesterday morning after the morning skate to reestablish, quote, championship expectations after four consecutive losses. Jared Bednar addressed the team and said, we've taken a dip. Now it's time to get back, and the Avalanche did in a big way. Sorry, Nolan, for saying this. The St. Louis Blues were not even in the game as the Avalanche rolled, and they beat a St. Louis team that had been arguably the hottest team in hockey. I think they'd won 12 of their last 13 games. Four-game losing streak is over. Is there any way to overstate how important this win was? Or no big deal. I don't, I don't think the four-game losing streak was a big deal. I actually think this single win means more on the positive than the losing streak was in the negative. Why? I think it was a, I think it was a statement. Even though you say, okay, what the Avs, I mean, they're the, best, they're the number one team in the Western Conference. Uh, what kind of statement they need to make? I mean, that was a, that was a statement against the hottest team in the, against the Western, in the Western Conference. Yeah, I look at it I look at it a little bit differently. When we talked about it on the show yesterday, you said you would have been happy if they would have at the very least would have lost in overtime. You would have been happy for a it, loss. It would have been a it would have been a fine result. And to me I said they need to win this game. They're playing a hot team. They're not it's not that they're not playing well. They weren't showing effort. So I don't unlike you, I don't look at this as a statement game. I look at this as they were not giving the effort that they needed to do. Let's show some effort and be who we have been. I don't think it was a statement necessarily because the Blues have been hot. I think it was a statement to themselves, not to the rest of the NHL, not to the St. Louis Blues, that they realized there were problems. They held a team meeting, which you can't do very often. If you're holding four or five team meetings a year, Forget about making the playoffs. You're going to be high up in the draft. So, yes, beating St. Louis, hot team, super important. But 
the Avs are good enough where they're not going to get beaten, except maybe by the Florida Panthers. They're, they were beating themselves is what they were doing. There are very few teams that can actually beat them if both teams are on. So it was a statement to themselves that we need to correct what's going on, and they did it. Granted, if they were playing Seattle, certainly that's not a statement game by your definition. They just needed to get the train back on the track. That's fair. But it means a lot more coming against St. Louis. No question. Playing, playing again, probably the best hockey in the the best hockey in the league at that moment. A team that, and look, we've talked about other. We've talked about you know how the the Wild could be a troublesome matchup for the Avs, but um, the Blues on paper should not be as troublesome a matchup. We saw them dominate the Blues last year in the first round. This is a much better Blues team than one last year, and it's a Blues team that still has a lot of championship experience. Something that, frankly, this Avs team doesn't have. They have a lot of veterans, but not but not veterans who know the way, right? In a way the Blues do. No, I'm with you on that. So, so they, yeah, that's it, it's a it's a matchup that you might see at some point in the postseason. I think the Avs kind of uh, kind of laid the hammer down last night in a way that I think will help them if they have to see the Blues down the line. Now, what are you expecting over the final two regular season games? Are they going to go back to four game losing streak mode? Not show the same effort because they prove something or. Do you think they roll? I think they pull back in the third gear. I think they did what they needed to do last night. That, to me, would be a dangerous thing. Now is the time you do want to get hot. Because if they play poorly over the next two games, guess what's coming? Another team meeting. And then eventually the message gets old and it gets stale. They need to ramp up for what they will start to face next week. If, if they take a step back, shame on them. Again, you only get so many team meetings. You got to give full effort over the next two games and storm your way into the playoffs. Steamroll your way into the playoffs. It's as if they had their four-game vacation. Now it's time to get back to work. They enjoyed themselves, and, and I don't mean that literally. They didn't play up to their potential. Everybody's entitled to have a little mental time off, but you don't want to have mental time off. Oh, see, this is how good we can be. Take some more mental time off, and then your first game next week is the playoffs. You don't want to do that. I would be concerned if they go on their next game and crap all over themselves. Because that tells me this team is not mentally tough enough, no matter how talented they are. I wouldn't be concerned, but I wouldn't be overly confident either. Maybe they feel like they can turn on and turn off. That is an awful mentality to have, as you know. Because what happens when you feel that you're turning it on and things aren't going your way? It was dangerous last year against the Golden Knights in the second round. Right. Because... You know, remember in remember in game one the the Golden Knights like seven to one wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, they put Leonard out there, and it was interesting. The Golden Knights thought that they let's let's get by without Flurry. Let's give right. Flurry a rest, right? right? They actually are an example of that of the team that did successfully turn it off and then turn it on again, right? But there was only but so far they that they got because then then they got against a hot goalie in the semifinals, and that was that. What do we have coming up on uh, Argonaut Wine and Liquor? Just in case you missed it. 
A couple of baseball stories today with uh, the New York teams. One about the Mets being hit by pitches at a high rate this year. The other about the Yankees sign-stealing, a letter they tried to have silenced from the league. Uh, and an update on the Rockies. They are currently behind 2-1 to one to the Phillies. Uh, we'll talk about sign-stealing and how bad are the baseballs MLB is using right now. That's next right here on Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason on Mile High Sports. Don't get out of line Everything you fear Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. All right, Mace, here's a dollar. If you can tell me who this band is, it's yours. I don't know. Somebody we've talked about before. That's right. So I'm at Red Rocks. Um, he gives a letter P. Ends with the man. Something. Uh, if there's a Portugal kind, there's, the man. There's a, there you go. There's Portugal. a dollar. All right. Welcome back. Afternoon drive. Portugal, Mason. I mean, yeah, for, I, well, I, I, I mean. I, what are you going to say? What can I do with a dollar? That's no. kind of like finding a penny and saying, well, what's that going to do me? No. I'll, now you have a dollar. No. I'll I'll probably go. I'll probably use it next time I go to the grocery store. Actually, actually you know what I'll do? This will be next time I go out for a meal. This will be part of the tip. I'm glad I can contribute. To Thank you. Somebody else's happiness. I'm glad I didn't do ten dollars. That could have covered the meal and the tip. Depending on the restaurant, sure. Yeah. yeah. Congratulations. That was a very good guess. Yeah, you gave me the man and then P, and then I'm like, <laughs> I had to think who be going to see at Red Rocks. Yes. There, which is a lot of artists. I, I'm not a concert person. I'm really? not. Li- I'm not. You know why? Why? Because. When I listen to music, and this is being on the spectrum kicking in, I expect it to, a song to sound a certain way, like it is on the on on the download, the CD, whatever, right? right? And then you go to a concert, it sounds differently, and it throws me off. It does sound a little bit differently. Yeah, and um, I'm just not used to that, and it it kind of is. It's not a great experience because I'm expecting it to sound a certain way, and so I find that in terms of bang for the buck in terms enjoyment bang for the buck right concerts don't do it for me what if for the sake of argument in the 1970s you saw a concert in philadelphia at the spectrum would that make a difference time now for the final word the final word presented by sasquatch casino in blackhawk that was pretty good. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs> Just in case you missed it, is presented by Argonaut Wine and Liquor. You need to see why Westward named it the best liquor store in Denver five years running. Or order online at ArgonautLiquor.com. Just in case you missed it, the New York Mets lead the majors with 18 batters hit by a pitch. Uh, actually, 19 now. They had another one hit today. Had three hit last night against the Cardinals. And Mets pitcher Chris Bassett said it's because the baseballs are all different. He said, quote, MLB has a very big problem with the baseballs. 
They're bad. Everyone in the league knows it. So this is kind of a player safety issue. It's also probably the reason we saw a lot of pitchers using spider tack in the last uh, year or so. How can this be acceptable in the top-level baseball league in the world? Well, today, um, one of the Mets pitchers buzzed Nolan Arenado, and it was a benches-clearing hug fest. You had guys hopping over the bullpen wall to get in on the action. And it's, it's all over social media. I've seen Nolan upset before, and the catcher was trying to stand in the way of Nolan and the pitcher, and like a ragdoll, Nolan ragdolled that catcher and just tossed him out of the way. One of Nolan's finest moments, I must say. That was awesome. Yeah. He's an emotional guy. Don't mess with him. No. But you still don't want him getting hurt either. Yeah. Does baseball need to do something about it? There's no question about it. There's no yeah. question about it. The question is, is it just happening with the Mets or is it happening all over baseball? That's the thing. And Well, now... Every picture is going to be asked about this, especially if 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 one uh, if, if if things are getting away. Like for example, you know Charlie Morton is a picture usually has pretty good control, right? Yep. Uh, he's pitching for the Braves tonight. Uh, he, he's not doing well this season. He's uh, he's well already he in he's walked three guys in two innings. It's, you know, and I think a picture who is struggling with control, unexpectedly so may get asked, is there something different about the baseballs this year? So I think that's maybe the first comment we've heard about it. It's going to be far from the last. Just in case you missed it, MLB letter to the New York Yankees reveals the use of technology for sign stealing before the league cracked down on that issue in 2017. Yankees fans have uh, cried foul that the Astros stole the 2017 World Series from them when they beat them in the ALCS. And turns out that the Yankees were also cheating in uh, in that year and the years around it. Will sign-stealing scandals be viewed in a more damaging light than steroids to the game of baseball uh, because it's a team-based nature of the offense and it's actually got a big impact on titles? Well, I mean, it should be. Even though teams have been doing it for a while, it's one of those things that, like, you're not supposed to, but they were getting away with it. It was just that the Astros kind of perfected it with the uh, with the with the uh, with the drum with the garbage can drum beat and that, that sort of thing. PEDs were not cheating. Let me repeat that. PEDs were not cheating because baseball chose not to enforce it. It's kind of like if I'm driving down I-25 and the speed limit's 55 and I'm going 90 and no cops are willing to pull me over. Am I really speeding? Because the only thing that tells me I'm speeding is a ticket in my hand. Right? And by the way, I'll add to that. This is like if the, if the tree falls in the forest. No, no, no. And no I'll, 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 I'll add to this. I will, I will add to this. Bud Selig knew there was cheating going on, or not cheating, knew that PEDs were going on. But after the, after the strike, um, you, you had the, the home run hitting contest between Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa. I, I think here's the, the better analogy. I'm driving down I-25, and every mile there's a policeman on the side of the road. Mm -hmm. And I'm going 90, and they're watching me buzz by, and they're not pulling me over. That was not cheating. And don't tell me, don't try and convince me that PEDs are illegal. So are greenies. 
that Hank Aaron took and a lot of players took. I get drugs are illegal, but at the end of the day, if no one's going to say anything, it's not going to be monitored. It's not cheating. And then in 2002, they decided to do something about it. Guys got busted, losing games, getting suspended like Alex Rodriguez. Now it's being enforced. Foul isn't a foul unless the referee blows his whistle, I guess. That's right. And baseball knew exactly what was going on. A scandal nonetheless. No, no. What Uh, I'm saying is (laughs) the, the beating of the drum, far worse than yeah, PEDs. Yeah. That's my point. Yeah. That is cheating. Literally, by the definition of the law, that is cheating. Taking PEDs was not. Yeah, but I was just saying a scandal. Because, yeah. I, yeah, I didn't bring up cheating. I just said it's generally looked at as a black eye on baseball. Yep. Uh, just in case you missed it, Chris Mad Dog Russo listed his top five point guards of all time on first take today. Saw it. Let's go uh, backwards from number five, Steph Curry. Number four, Jason Kidd. Three, Isaiah Thomas of the Detroit Pistons, not of the Denver Nuggets. Mm-hmm. Uh, two, Oscar Robertson. And number one, Irvin Magic Johnson. He had a couple honorable mentions he threw in there as well. Steve Nash, Bob Cousy, and John Stockton. Any surprises or snubs from Mad Dog's top five? I think Curry's two spots too low. I agree. He should be number three, and Chris Paul should be number four. Mm-hmm. I know we can talk about titles. He was never on great teams, but when you take his offense and his defense, better than Jason Kidd, and I love me some Jason Kidd. Better than Isaiah Thomas. I know Isaiah Thomas won titles, but when you talk about complete players, Chris Paul might be the most complete point guard of all time. And then number five, I think you're talking about Stockton or Cousy. Yeah, I don't watch Koozie. Did you yeah, watch him? I didn't watch him. I don't watch him either. I mean, you're, you're having some historical reference. I, right. I, J.J. My, Reddick said he played against plumbers and firemen. Well, then I guess so did Oscar Robertson. Yeah. That was the argument that Russo made today. Right. Oh, gosh. It's the recency bias. It's like nothing could be great if it happened in the past because uh, because of the skill level of the people around him. Come on. Yeah. You have to. You know, you, you, that's why you adjust for error. Well, you know what, JJ? Things. I got news for you. If you played in the '60s and played for Duke, you went to won any titles. There you go. You went to won any titles. <laughs> that was Argonaut Wine and Liquor. Just in case you missed it, Argonaut always has great specials, and here are a few: Chile and Argentina wines are on sale. Stop by Argonaut today off of Colfax, UI Westward, named the best liquor store in Denver five years running. They also deliver, and if you do a delivery over a hundred. Bucks or more, it is free. Find them on Colfax or go to ArgonautLiquor.com. That's going to do it for us. Nolan, great job today. Same with you, Danny. Mace, terrific job. Draft day tomorrow. I'll try and do better tomorrow.